Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. What is up, Waffle Gang? I do hope you are well. My name is Mark, and today we're checking out some r slash entitled people because i love me a bit of entitled people you know that (laughs) let's just crack straight on with today's stories much love guys this first story is from you know who 2016 entitled airline passenger tried helping themselves to my upgraded seat i used to fly for work a lot i have so many entitled people stories it stopped surprising me to run into the behavior this is one such story Cast me, myself, and I equals me. EP equals entitled person. FA equals flight attendant. Being someone that used to fly a lot, I constantly was upgraded to business class, first class, or simply just upgraded seats using miles. Since this was a connection for me, I arrived and boarded later than most of the plane. As soon as I walked into the plane, I saw someone was sitting in my seat since I had been upgraded. Now, if you fly enough, someone sitting in your seat is not an uncommon occurrence. I said, excuse me, I believe you're in my seat. EP doesn't even bother looking up at me, waves his hand dismissively at me and said, let's just switch seats so I can sit beside my wife. I said, sure, what is your seat? EP, snickerdoodle. Now, I do not remember exactly what seat number he said, but it was the last row of the airplane. Aisle seat, right by the bathroom. Yes, I have to fly in those seats in the past. Remember, my assigned seat was in the first class slash business class section. Now, I've switched seats with people innumerable times in my life without a second thought. Even first class seats, the look of someone getting to unexpectedly ride the first class is priceless. But the way this guy was behaving and what he was expecting, this was not one of those times. I said, no, I'm just going to sit in my assigned seat. Now he finally looked at me. EP said, well, I want to sit by my wife, so I am not moving. I said, well, if you want to sit by your wife, I'm sure whomever is sitting way back there would be more than happy to switch seats way up here so you can sit back there with your wife. He didn't like that at all, for what could he really say at that point without sounding like a jerk? He just stared at me. I'm now more annoyed. I said, move. To which he said, I am not moving. Ding, darn right, I pushed the call button. The flight attendant said, yes sir, how may I help? I hand her my ticket and say, he is sitting in my seat. She asks for his ticket, checks both tickets, sees his seat number and, in my mind at least, give him a look of, seriously? The flight attendant says, sir, you need to sit in your assigned seat. He says, I want to sit beside my wife. Well, I wasn't missing a beat and parroted my original statement about me being sure whomever was sitting back there besides him would be more than happy to switch seats and sit up here. Boy, oh boy, that obviously made him angry. Flight attendant looks at EP's wife and says, mom, would you like to switch seats so you can sit by your husband? EP's wife says no. Flight attendant continues in that all too familiar flight attendant voice that lets you know you have no choice. Well, sir, you have to sit in your assigned seat, so please gather your things. What a sad and pathetic sight it was seeing this grown man act like a baby, gather his things and then sulk towards the back of the plane. 
Yes, his wife sat beside me that flight and didn't join her husband in the back of the plane. No, we didn't talk to or look at each other or even once, which was perfectly fine with me. Imagine dismissively expecting someone to give up their first class slash business class seat to sit in the very last row of the aeroplane by the bathroom. Now I have similar experiences, not with aeroplanes, but with trains. Whenever we used to go to watch football before plague times, we're in sort of Oxford and we used to get to Wolverhampton because I support, I support Wolves. Don't at me. <laughs> and when, when we're going up there, we always took the train because it's quite, a, it's about two hours, two hours or so by train. And so we'd always make sure we booked a seat. Whenever we get on the train, there was always, always someone in our seat. You can guarantee it every single time. And there's been times you go up, most of the time you go up to someone and say, look, you're in my seat and they're absolutely fine about it. You feel guilty sometimes, but you know, that's the way it is. I booked that seat. I want to sit in that seat. I got a two hour ride ahead of me. And one time I was on this train and there was two guys, they saw us coming towards and they pretended to be asleep. How they, how they knew it was our seats, I don't know, but they saw, they must've seen us looking at our tickets and walking down, looking up at the, the reservations and stuff like that. And then they pretended to be asleep. And my friend noticed those pretending to be asleep. And remember, this was all pre-plague times. And my friend just literally sat on his lap. (laughs) The guy suddenly just, his eyes popped open wide and was like, oh my God, it's a madman. And while sitting on his lap, he looked over his shoulder back at the guy's face and just sort of said, you're in my seat, mate. (laughs) And the guy laughed. And it was it was a pretty wholesome thing in the end. I thought it was going to be like a right Karen moment, but they both laughed and the guys actually moved in the end, which was pretty good. They were actually wolf supporters themselves, so it was all good. But there was a sense of entitlement there at the same time. But Canero says, I've heard of people doing this to try and score a free upgrade. One partner or parent even gets a first class ticket. The other gets a bottom of the barrel economy seat and begs for a swap to be with family. I feel like it unfortunately works on confrontation averse people. And Sergeant Smitty says, that's hilarious. I live with my husband and sleep next to him every night. I'm pretty sure we can survive a four hour flight in different seats if need be. An impressive ad says, I was actually offered a seat in business once since the gentleman wanted to sit next to his partner who was in economy. It was hilarious because they were right in front of me while boarding and he says to his partner, they'd have to be crazy to give up this offer. I get to my seat and he turns around and offers me the seat. I said, thanks, I'd have to be crazy to give up your offer. He went red in the face, then all three of us started laughing. Good times. (laughs) And the Empress is in, says, good for you. Many would allow this entitled turd (laughs) to get away with this to avoid conflict. And Jane7979 says, I once witnessed something similar. An older couple gave their first class seats to their adult children. The seats were very near the back of the plane, but instead of sitting in those seats, they took the seats across the aisle from my husband and me, extra legroom seats. When the couple actually paid for those seats asked them to move, they refused. There was a ridiculous lengthy debate with the flight attendant and we were late taken off. Evidently, they felt that because their original seats were first class, they should get the best coach seats. The poor lady assigned to the seat kept apologizing to us. She was smushed in our space each time someone had to pass, but there was no need for her to apologize. It wasn't her fault that these entitled people are completely clueless. And that would be absolutely infuriating for me. But we shall move on to the next story. This next story is from CuriousCat0070, entitled College Roommates. This happened when I was in college in the Pacific Northwest. Cast me, my girlfriend Vicky, friends Rich, John and Dan, entitled people Chucky and Banshee. At the end of the school year, Vicky and I rented a condo off campus, which had a master and a second bedroom, a living room and a kitchen, plus a basement storage area. 
It also had one bathroom with a shower. I was working on a campus job in IT at the time and Chucky was my coworker. I found him annoying and immature, but it wasn't a contentious work relationship. I knew his girlfriend Banshee just in passing and also found her immature. After Vicky and I signed the rental agreements and moved into the master bedroom, we went to visit her mother and her brother in Seattle for a week. While we were at her mother's, Vicky told me that she invited Chucky and Banshee to move in and help share the rent. She said that she thought we were friends since we worked together, which is why she invited them. I told her that we were co-workers at best and that I was concerned that she was only telling me this now and I told her my opinion about them. Vicky was very non-confrontational and asked me to just go with it and that sharing the rental costs would be a good thing. Vicky was such a sweet person and always saw the good in people, but sometimes you just have to show fangs or you will be a doormat. When we got back, our belongings were piled in the hall and the living room, including the bed and other furniture, and Chucky and Banshee had moved into the master bedroom. I marched into the master bedroom and confronted them. They said that they had a bigger bed, so they needed the master bedroom. Vicky pulled me back, asking me to just let it go, so I did. They also took up the entire storage area. A day later, we asked them for the rent money and they paid us around a third of the rent, saying that they brought more furniture so that they should pay less rent. I was about to say something when Vicky asked me to let it go, so I did. When we tried to sit on any of their furniture, Banshee wailed at us, refusing to let us use any of their items. I was gonna say something, but Vicky asked me to let it go. About a day later, they took down all of our decorations and put theirs up. I was going to say something, but you know the drill by now. A week later, it was time to clean the bathroom. They whined that they were tired and to do it without them. You know the drill. Vicky and I were the only ones to clean the bathroom from then on. They never did any of their dishes and expected us to clean the kitchen and cook. We did our dishes, but dishes with rotten food piled up in the sink and on the counters. You know the drill. Banshee took up half the kitchen with boxes containing her childhood toys. I asked them why they couldn't use the basement storage area and Banshee replied that the toys would be lonely and cold and they needed them to stay in the condo. You know the drill. Vicky and I took occasional trips back to Seattle to visit her mum. When we returned, there was obvious signs that our bed was used along with makeup pads, used Kleenex and used band-aids lying around in our room that were not ours. You know the drill. Any disagreement resulted in Banshee screwing at the top of her lungs and then storming out, slamming as many doors as she could. After two months, Vicky went on a study abroad program to Europe. I drove her to the airport, saw her off, and when I got home, it was open season on Chucky and Banshee. I invited my friends, Rich, John, and Dan to crash at our place. We would hold sporting events in the condo, throwing a football, bouncing a basketball, fencing, or playing laser tag. The place wasn't that big, so it was a lot of noise, something that Banshee hated. She would stomp out of their room and scream at us and we would say, what, what, I can't hear you. We even had a coconut shucking contest. We told them that they were going to pay half the rent or we would use their furniture and take down their decorations. So they did. We took their dishes with rotten food and hid them under their bed and around their room. We stopped cleaning the bathroom and later we scraped scum off the shower and toilet and did the same. Since the TV was Vicky's and mine, we never let them watch anything they wanted. We opened up all Banshee's childhood toy boxes and took a look at them all. Even running through the condo with a toy lawnmower that has bouncing balls in a clear dome and makes revving and popping noises. Isn't that one of those really old school ones? I think I had one of those. I guess that was enough as after a month of that, they told me indignantly that they were moving out as if it were a threat or something that would be bad for me. My friends and I just smiled and said, awesome, how soon can you move? 
On moving night, my friends and I held a party just outside the front entrance. We had beach towels, umbrellas, a cooler, a blender, tons of food, and even a couple of cheerleaders. Fellow students who came out to support us and brought pom-poms. Every time a box or piece of furniture came out the condo and when it was loaded into their car, we rose and cheered, often doing waves. <laughs> they had to make several trips, so it took hours. When they brought out their massive couch that they refused to let anyone else use, it was clear that they were struggling. So about 20 minutes of cheering, we dropped comments like, ooh, that looks heavy. You guys are working up a good sweat. Don't let that fall on your feet. That would be painful. They set the couch down and Banshee stormed over, put her hands on her hips and glowered at us. Are you going to help us or are you just going to sit there and make fun? We pretended to have a discussion for a short time. Then we all looked at her and said together, sit here and make fun. Never saw them again after that as I had moved to a different campus job when the new semester started. Now we had an Amai the Arsehole story just recently where someone was be basically being used as a doormat and Vicky obviously needs to sort that out straight away otherwise she's just going to keep getting taken advantage of like that. But at the same time, who goes into a place and, and takes over everything like that, takes down decorations, moves into the master bedroom immediately? It's absolutely crazy. But I did like that there was a bit of revenge in there as well. It might be quite good on a pro-revenge or petty revenge subreddit. But Smacky the Frog says, please tell me you upgraded to a better squeeze than Vicky after all the Elsa let it go shit she put you through. <laughs> and JustFix says, how long after that experience did you break up with Vicky? If there was somebody you needed to be away from, it was Vicky. And Prestigious Issue says, Vicky has to stop being a doormat for her own good. She needs to get more assertive and confrontational. If they hadn't moved, but you had, she would have been a slave slash prisoner in that house, catering to their every whim. And now it's pretty much just a lot of bashing on Vicky after that. So uh, we'll move on to the next story. And our next story comes from Main Garden Guy, the Staples Daycare. I used to work at Staples. For some reason, a few crappy parents would bring in their kids, take them to the back part of the store, then leave them there for hours while they went next door to a shop at a different business. We were talking about little kids, probably four to 10 years old. Now these kids would just mess everything up. They would move all of our demo chairs, which are placed in front of their respective tags, so nothing was now priced right. They would also steal food and make a general mess. After a few weeks of this happening with several sets of the same parents, I had enough. One kid I gave a lot of Jolt Cola to. Another kid I gave a giant bag of candy to. When the parents would come in, I would tell the parents that they should not leave their kids here. They went on deaf ears, so the next time a kid was abandoned, I called the cops and made sure we had security recordings of the parents leaving them. The cops hung around for a bit, looked at the footage, talked to a little kid, maybe five, asking where mummy and daddy were, what were their names, etc. Kid didn't have any answers and the parents were nowhere to be found. So the cops took the kid to the station to contact child services. When the parents finally showed up, almost an hour after the cops left, we all, the whole staff was involved at this point, let them scour the store for a little while, searching for their child. I told them we had an abandoned child in the store two hours previously and the police had taken him. Then I walked away laughing. It's not like this in the 50s. We all know there are predators out there. Hell, there's a methadone clinic across the street. Juvie jail half a mile away, the highway 0.7 miles away and an airport right there. Literally one of the best places to snatch a kid. Wish I knew what happened, but I never saw them again. We still had a few other snots left there from time to time, but we really started harassing people on their way out without said kids. P.S. I know of at least two of the kids that puked their parents' cars due to the soda and candy because they tried to file complaints. We countered with a threat to call the cops for child endangerment and neglect. 
Seriously, what little kid wants to go to Staples? At least the place next door sold toys too. Never made sense to me. To be fair, I'd love to be left in Staples. I'm a big fan of stationery. <laughs> oh God, not as a kid though, I guess. And it's one of those stories that's just incredibly sad to me, isn't it? That, you know, parents, the people that these children trust to look after them and look after their best interests, just abandon them in the store and tell them to wait there while they go and do some other stuff. It's just absolutely insane to me and incredibly sad for that for those children too. And our next story comes from Raphelia1206. This is not okay. Decided today was a great day to get my lunch from Panera. Hope I got that right. Felt like I deserved some yummy sandwich goodness. I rolled up and what do I see? A postal truck parked in the handicap spot. Not just parked, mind you, this lazy bleeper backed into the spot. My reasonable yet naive mind thought, well, maybe he's just making a quick delivery. So I walked to the door of Panera and passed closely by the truck. Nope, no one inside the truck and the car isn't running. Hmm. Walk inside and that jerk is strolling down from the register to wait for his food to be ready. This dude is on his lunch break and he parked in the only van accessible handicap parking spot. Oh, and there were only two handicap spaces total and the other was being used that actually had a handicap placard displayed. And there are plenty of other parking available. This EP just thought he was some sort of special unicorn. So I can feel my inner Karen rising. I pick up my rapid pickup order, strolling outside and take a picture of the truck, making sure to get the truck number on the front. Quick Google search and I find a specific FHQ on the postal service website for who to call when a courier parks their truck in a handicap. Honestly, the sheer fact that there is an FHQ is just flat out mind blowing to me. Why do these people think parking in a handicap is okay? Anyway, quick call with no hold time apparently and I report that guy. I'm assured that what he did was not okay and will be addressed. The lady I spoke with on the phone was also deeply dismayed. Hope your flagrant disregard for handicap laws was worth it, dude. Edit to those saying, how do you know he wasn't disabled? Obviously, there is no way to tell other than him not having a placard. Not like I was going to confront him and demanding proves it to me. If he's disabled, then me reporting it will do nothing to him because his superiors will already be aware and do nothing. They'll probably have a laugh about it and move on. If he wasn't disabled, then he needs to be held accountable. Simple as that. And there was a couple of comments below saying, how do you know he wasn't disabled and stuff like that? And, and many other comments saying, yeah, fair play for doing what you do. And then we move straight on to another story. And our next story comes from Theater Kid. You need your ADA compliance stool, but I'm tired. Background, I'm a cashier at my local Wally World. Most of the time, the people that I work with are really nice and management is great. However, due to the nature of my store, we occasionally get some crazy people. This happened about a year ago at my store, just before the shutdowns and mask wearing. Additionally, I have a rare muscular disability, so I have a stool that I purchased that I use while I'm working. While I can walk short distances and stand for short periods of time, I get in a lot of pain if I do it for a while. I have a wheelchair, but I typically don't use it at work since I don't walk too much at my lane, and the stool is a lot less bulky. I also typically work a small, belted self-checkout lane. Finally, I'm on mobile, so I apologize for any formatting issues. The cast OP, yours truly, Karen, entitled customer, NS, nice supervisor, NM, nice manager. The story. So I'm working at my typical self-checkout lane when Karen comes to the checkout with a mounting of groceries. This woman already looks like a typical Karen, complete with a haircut and everything. 
However, I don't like to judge people based on their appearances, so I greet the Karen warmly and with a smile. I say, hello, how are you? Karen says, I'd be better if this store wasn't so fucking confusing. I couldn't even find the gift cards. What kind of store doesn't have gift cards? Me, noticing that there was a gift card stand right next to my checkout. I have a stand over there if you'd like one. Karen is looking at her phone. Good, get me two Chick-fil-A $10 cards and hurry, I'm so tired of standing. Hopefully I got Chick-fil-A right. <laughs> OP, knowing that I can walk that far. Of course, just a moment. I walk over to the stand, grab the gift cards and come back to the Karen, putting my stool off to the side and sitting on it. Karen says, good, you're back. Ring up my stuff and tell me when you're done. I need to call my mother. Me dying on the inside because it's a self-checkout, but not wanting to be yelled at any further. Mum, I'd be happy to help you scan your items, but I need my stall in order to do that. Karen looks at me and huffs. Excuse me? I'm a paying customer. I'm tired and I want to sit. Now do as I say or you will get fired. My legs are starting to shake and pain beginning in the knees and ankles. Mum, I have a physical disability and I use that stool to avoid getting hurt. If I stand for too long, I get in a lot of pain. Karen getting louder with every word. Well, I had to stand for hours to get all this and you're probably just faking your disability so you can sit. Just let me check out. Nice supervisor, who must have heard all the commotion, comes over and sees I'm standing and obviously in a lot of pain. He says, hey OP, what's going on? Why aren't you sitting on your stool? Karen turns around and says, finally, a manager. Your stupid employee won't ring up my stuff and she's wanting me to give her my stool so she can sit on her fucking lazy ass. It was just at this point that my legs give out and I fall on the ground, crying in pain. Supervisor is concerned and says, OP, are you okay? My supervisor goes on his walkie-talkie and calls a code that means an employee is injured. Karen says, don't be so dramatic. She's obviously faking it. The supervisor who's now livid at the Karen. Mom, she has a physical disability and needs that stool. Not to mention that you're at a self-checkout. If you want a cashier to check you out, then you should head over to our staffed registers. Karen says, but I don't want to wait in that line. At this point, my nice manager has come, practically running from the back of the store. Manager says, Supervisor, what has happened to OP? Does she need an ambulance? I shake my head no, still crying. Meanwhile, Karen starts snapping at the manager. Hello? I still need someone to ring me up. My ice cream is going to melt. Manager says, Mom, we have an emergency with our employee. We need to help her first. Once this has been settled, I will gladly help you. She again turns around and says, she's faking it. And besides, she's too fat for this stool anyways. The manager is now fuming. Mom, get out the store or I will call security. You do not get to talk about my employee like that. She says, you need to check me out. It's the law. Manager says, leave now. The Karen starts screaming at my manager that we clearly don't know who she is or what she can do to us if we don't check her out immediately. During a rant, manager finally had heard enough, turned to nice supervisor and says, supervisor, call security. The supervisor nods and calls him on his walkie-talkie. Karen shrieks even louder, demanding the number for corporate so that she can report how horrible this store is at customer service. Security shows up quickly and they almost drag Karen out the store. Supervisor and manager make sure I'm okay and tell me to take the rest of the day off, fully paid. They call my mum who comes to pick me up and take me to the urgent care just to be sure. I'm fine but they give me a note to take some time off to rest. Later, I was told that the Karen was banned from the store. Moral of the story, don't mess with disabled people's accommodations. You know, and we've seen it a couple of times in these stories where you get people turning around and saying you're faking a disability and you think, 
what goes through that person's head to even you know consider thinking about that it just i'm tapping my forehead right now because i i can't work it out (laughs) i can't get into that person's shoes and in any situation that would make them think in in that kind of way it's it's oh man but yes what do you guys make of today's entitled people stories did you enjoy them if you did please let me know in the comments below as it truly helps me to get an idea of what you guys like and the directions we should be going in thank you once again for your love support and time and i will see you in the next one take care guys much love sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.